Let me say first, um, I am not Ray Chung. We're, we're doing a switcheroo on you today. Uh, it was announced last week that Ray was going to be preaching today, and he is very sick. Uh, last, late last night, I understand they were think they're taking him to the hospital because he was like really sick. So uh, if you know Ray, you know he loves to preach. So you know he's got to be really sick. <laughs> so y'all be praying for him. Uh, also, our, our teaching pastor, Jimmy Edmond, and several from our church are in Honduras. So remember to be praying for them as well. I believe they come back this week on Tuesday maybe. So you be praying for them that uh, God will bless their efforts and their trip and, and give them safety as they travel back. Uh, got a call last night from Rusty about 1130 uh, with the news that Ray was sick. Uh, so you can use your imagination how this conversation went and you can decide who won and who lost. Uh, <laughs> if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. If you have a Bible or on your phone or your device, or it'll maybe be up here on the screen. Um, realize this is a, a low-tech version of sermons you're used to at, seeing at True Life. So uh, just forgive that and, and realize um, we have thrown the folks back in the uh, sound booth, a, a real curveball. So uh, if if these all this is not sinking, it's not on them. It's on it's on us. We 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 put them at a really disadvantage here this morning. So if if they're trying to follow me, that's a really hard task. So uh, but if if you would let's let's turn to the scriptures. You know I I think no matter what happens in situations like this, God is in control. And everything happens for a reason. And we're all here today for a reason. And the message, uh, the word of God that we're getting ready to read is what he intends for us for today. So let's hear from God this morning. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. This is one of the most probably familiar miracles uh, in the scriptures. Certainly one of the most significant ones. It's when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And that sounds like a, a really simple story. And you're, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, probably won't take him longer than 15 or 20 minutes to get through that, right? Uh, so if you don't um, know me, uh, I'm Roger Griffith. And the, 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 I'm one of the elders here at church. And the thing you're probably wondering is, how long does he preach? And just let me say, I don't preach as long as Preston. I mean, <laughs> I, I could probably go from Genesis to Revelation, including the, the indents and the maps, and still get you out here on time. So, never fear. But let's look into the Word of God this morning. Um, this story uh, about Jesus raising Lazarus, I think, has some real impactful things for us. There's some gems here that we can learn from, and that we can apply it to our lives, and hopefully... Help us in our walk um, as a way of kind of setting the stage for what's going to transpire here in John chapter 11. Look at a couple verses in John chapter 10. This is near the end of Jesus's public ministry. And it's not long until he's going to be going 
to Jerusalem to be crucified. And so shortly before this event, um, it says in verse 22, it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. So he's in Jerusalem. He's in the temple, the porch. And in the midst of his teaching, he comes, look at verse 30, and he says, I and my father are one. Now, if you're a Jew in that culture steeped in the Old Testament law, to have someone walk into the temple and say, I'm God, me and him are one, is, is blasphemy. They would not stand for that. And then a little bit later, in verse 36, he says, and then he said, because I said, I am the son of God. You see, uh, what we know and take for granted, the Trinity, uh, God eternally existent in three persons, was something that was not acceptable to the Jews of that day under the Old Testament law. See, there were many of them that did not believe that this man that showed up that was performing all these miracles was who he claimed to be, that he was God's only son come in the flesh. So when he came into the temple and made these statements, that, that set up a real arch battle here between the believers of the Jews of the Old Testament law and Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah. Verse 39 says, Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away beyond, again, beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized. And there he abode. So, as we're going into chapter 11, this is what's happened. He went to the temple. He claims to be God. And they run him out. They could not accept that. So, he's no longer in Jerusalem. He's out in the countryside. Now, in chapter 11, there's a special family that Jesus is very close to. And things are happening with them. And as we go through this story in, in John chapter 11, let's kind of take notice of all the characters, all the players, and how it all comes together and what it all means. Verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So we've got two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Therefore, his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. So, Lazarus is sick enough. He's probably more sick than Ray. Uh, that he was very sick, and they sinned to let Jesus know. We don't have a request here that he comes healing, but I think that's assumed because it says, this is the guy, this is Jesus. Jesus, the guy who you love is sick. They didn't say it the other way around. Lazarus, who really loves Jesus, 
No, they say, Jesus was that close to this, this family and these folks, and they say, who you love is sick. With the expectation, obviously, that Jesus was going to come and heal because they loved their brother, and he was really, really sick. Verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, as we see here, um, Jesus said, hey, don't worry about, you know, this is not unto death. As in, everything's going to be okay. But this is happening so that he might, that the Son of God might be glorified. And then he says in verse 5, just to reiterate what he's thinking and the, the thing that's going on, he says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So as we go through here, let's not lose this. Do, let's look at what we know. Lazarus is sick. Jesus is saying it's going to be okay and it's going to bring glory to God. And I love Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So is there any doubt that he loves them? And he says that's, that's what the point we're trying to get across, right? I love them. And you know, we sang this morning, his love never fails, right? So we're good, right? Everything's going to be all right. And then... Um, Verse 6, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then he said to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. So he did not immediately go to where Lazarus was. He was sick. He was being sent for, but he didn't go. And he was insinuating everything's okay, right? Because he's saying it's not a sickness unto death. And I love them. So everything's all right, right? Then, but then after two days, he said, we're going to go. Verse 8 says, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And goest thou thither again? Remember, he got run out of Jerusalem. They live in Bethany, which is less than two miles from Jerusalem. So, here's Jesus out in the countryside with his disciples. And he'd just been run out of Jerusalem for claiming he was God. He was the son of God. And now he tells his disciples, we're going back. And they don't like that. Basically, what we would say is, are you crazy? What are you thinking? Because they just got run out. So I don't think they were really excited about going back to Bethany to, into, near Jerusalem based on the, what had just happened recently to them. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. 
But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no night, no light in him. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And you know, these disciples are probably thinking, do we have to go? Especially since he's just sleeping. I mean, we really don't have to go wake him up, right? I mean, somebody else could wake him up. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taken of rest and sleep. Then Jesus then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, we just said earlier that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt in the midst of this situation that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And they sought him that he would come and help their sick brother. And Jesus didn't answer that. He didn't come. He didn't heal him. They watched their brother suffer and die. And that's where we're at. Now we have to ask ourselves the question, are we still good with this? Did Jesus love them? And how do we handle a similar situation when we are seeking God? Maybe it is something, a sickness. Maybe it is something like our finances or a broken relationship or a lost job or conflict or whatever it is. And we don't get the answer. And God doesn't respond. And we pray and we get nothing. Do we question that God really loves us? Or do we know that even though we can't explain what God is doing in this moment, do we know, do we know, do we know that he loves us? You see, uh, Mary and Martha couldn't figure this out. Jesus was operating at a level far above them. He was seeing into a future that they couldn't see. And he was bring, going to bring glory to himself in a way, in this situation, that they could never imagine. Yes, they probably knew that he healed people. But they'd never seen him raise anybody from the dead. That wasn't on their radar. So in the, we need to be reminded, first of all, that in the midst of our prayers, in the midst of our struggles and trials when we're seeking God, no matter what the answer is, no matter what the place, the time, no matter when it feels silent, that nothing's happening, that God loves us. We need to know that, and we need to hang on to that when we don't have anything else to hang on to. So, let's continue with the story. But let me say one more thing about that. 
in this situation, there was a circumstance. And then there was this fact that was really put out there in Scripture. Jesus loved them. And the thing that I think it would be helpful for all of us to know is that we need to evaluate our circumstances based on what we know about God's love. We do not need to evaluate God's love based upon our circumstances. And if we get that backward, we'll walk around wondering, is God really there? Does he really care? And, you know, it doesn't look really good at the moment in this story. It looks like maybe things are falling apart, you know, because, you know, we have hindsight here. We've read the story. We've heard it. If we've grown up in church, been around church, we know how the story ends. Mary and Martha was living in the moment, and they didn't know the end of the story. All they know was they prayed, they sought Jesus, he delayed, he didn't come, and when he comes, Lazarus is dead. So, that's where we're at. Let's continue. Verse 15. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. You see, he's talking to his disciples. And he's starting to allude to, I'm going to do something that you're not thinking about. There's a greater purpose in this sickness than just for me to show up and heal. Jesus had other plans. He was going to increase their faith. He was going to bring glory to his name. And he was going to be a witness to lost people. He was going to do all kinds of stuff that they didn't know what was going on. And we have to sometimes just hang on. So let's continue. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his and to his fellow disciples. Let us also go. That we may die with him. Now you know I don't know that this has any. A whole lot to do with this story. This is kind of like a little excerpt there. That kind of. Is thrown in that you know. Thomas in the midst of this was doubting. Surprise. Isn't that how he got his name right. He was always doubting. So he's thinking. We're going back to that place where they were trying to kill him. Let's Let's go. We'll die there too. You know, he was following Jesus. Let's give him credit for that. But he wasn't trusting. <laughs> because Jesus already said, you know, he's going to do something. But he just thinks we're going there to die. So that's just a little, a little tidbit thrown in there just to let you know. These disciples had their challenges too. Uh, you know, Mary and Martha are in a bad situation. They're grieving. These disciples are like, are we sure we're going back there? And Thomas said, we're going to die. And just think about all this going on, all this drama. We love drama, don't we? So here we go to Bethany. When Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now that's significant. Four days is significant when it comes to the burial of someone in that culture. The, in the Jewish culture, they had this thing. When you buried someone, there was three days of mourning where people would come to the grave and weep, especially the, the women. And then there, after that, the body started decomposing, 
And there would be four days of lamentation, they would call it. So, you know, he's making a point here to say it's been four days. He is obviously dead. He is, it is to the point now the body is decomposing. So that's where we're at. So Mary and Martha are grieving. And it says, verse 18, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. It's less than two miles. Which again, kind of gives us a little hint as to why the disciples are scared. Because Jesus is going within two miles of the place where they ran him out and are trying to kill him. And guess what? The disciples are going to be lumped in with Jesus. So here they go to Bethany, less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, the Jews are going, you may not have noticed this or heard this, but the Jews are going to play kind of a a supporting role in this story. We're going to learn some stuff about the Jews. And these, these were basically the neighbors for Mary and Martha, the people that they associated with. Now, Mary and Martha had come to believe in Jesus as the Christ, but these Jews had not. But they were still their neighbors. They were friends. They probably grew up together. They were close. So they were coming to comfort Mary and Martha. So they're there in the house. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. So here is Martha. And, you know, it's hard to read into this statement. Maybe how she said that. Was that a statement? If you'd been here, like, if you had come through for me, this wouldn't have happened. That could have been her attitude. Or it could have been a very reverent attitude. I, I know if you'd been here, it would have turned out different. I don't know exactly what's in her. I mean, we don't give, we're not given all the insight. But here's what we do know. In the midst of her grief, in the midst of her sorrow, she runs to Jesus. She meets him outside the city. And she's bringing this to him. And you know... There's another lesson, another bullet point for us. Sometimes we're disappointed. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered the way we want them to be answered. And we still need to take all of that to Jesus. We, we can be open with him. We can tell him what we're thinking. He knows our thoughts anyway. And, and we see here that Martha... She was, she was going to Jesus. She wasn't avoiding him. She wasn't so upset that she wasn't speaking to him. She still recognized who he was, although she did not understand exactly what he was doing. Jesus, in verse 23, Jesus, 
said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, they're talking past each other. You know, I get that. My wife and I miss each other all the time. You know, I, she doesn't understand you know, me. You know, I certainly don't understand her sometimes. And I'm talking one thing, she's hearing something else, and it, it's not connecting. You know, I'm glad I'm the only one that has that problem. Uh, but, see, Jesus was saying he will rise again thinking of as in today. He's going to rise again. Because this is going to happen this day. But Martha, when she hears it, what she hears is he's going to rise again. Because I know in the future, at the end of time, there is going to be a resurrection. And he will rise again. So when Jesus says he will rise again, they're on different wavelengths. You know, Jesus is right here and she's out in the future somewhere. And to complicate things just a little bit, Jesus goes on and says unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? So, Martha's thinking about a, Jesus is talking about a, a really soon occurring resurrection of Lazarus. Mary's thinking he's talking about a resurrection in the future, but it's both of them at that moment we're talking about a physical resurrection of Lazarus. Then Jesus goes further and says, okay, let's talk about the spiritual. Because beyond the physical resurrection that we get to think about, I am the resurrection and the life. So what he is saying is, resurrection is in me. Because remember, he's claiming to be deity, the son of God. So now he's saying, he's taking it a step further and saying, not only is Lazarus going to rise again, you're looking at the resurrection. And you know, what we're seeing here is a foretaste of what was going to happen with Jesus. He was going to die and be crucified and rise again. There was going to be a resurrection in just a short time in the future of Jesus. And that resurrection points to our future resurrection. Because, because Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again because of his resurrection. We, what is going to happen to us is what happened to Lazarus. Because Lazarus is pointing what's going to be our future. Because in the future time, we're going to die if Jesus tarries his coming. And we get to be resurrected. So this story of Lazarus kind of points to not only Martha was thinking about his future resurrection. It's pointing us to our future resurrection. But not only does it point to our future resurrection, it talks about us right now. Because there's something that's really interesting. It says, Jesus said, He that believeth on in me, though he were dead, 
yet shall he live. Now, he's not talking about, he's saying, in spiritual sense, I am the resurrection. And he's not talking about, well, somebody dies in the future, they'll be resurrected. Jesus saying, he that believes in me, though he were dead, as in if he, as though spiritually he's dead now, he shall live. Now, what does that mean practically for us? If you would, turn to Romans chapter 6. If you have, if you're following me in your Bibles. Romans chapter 6 says something really interesting. Paul's teaching about doctrine. He says this. Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall you say then? Shall ye continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So, what he's saying here is salvation essentially that we die to sin and we're resurrected to a new life. And that happens because Jesus died for us on the cross. He shed his blood and we come to Christ through repentance and faith, believing what he's done for us, that that's a payment for our sins. And we have new life. Our old man is dead. We're dead to sin and we're created to a new life. So, Jesus at that moment was saying, he wasn't talking about a physical resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if people believe on me, they shall live. And if you read Romans 6, those first few verses, you understand why we baptize by immersion. Because what we are symbolizing is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We identify with his death, we die to sin, and we're raised to new life. So Jesus at that moment went beyond the physical resurrection and said, I am the spiritual resurrection. I give my life for the world, for people who will believe in me. And I am the resurrection and the life. And those that believe on me, they were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? So Martha got a sermon. She got a lesson, a spiritual lesson here from Jesus about what all this was meaning. Obviously, she was disappointed. Lazarus wasn't healed the way she expected. But Jesus was trying to point her to, there's something a whole lot more than this going on. I'm bringing glory to my name through this, and it's going to point people to Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said 
So she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. There again, Martha, although she may not clearly understand everything, she still is with Jesus, and she's still calling him Master. Mary, as soon as she heard that, arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So we kind of see the same thing playing out again with Mary. But notice who goes with Mary. The Jews, her friends, her neighbors, who are not really believers. They don't recognize Jesus as the Christ. But because Mary's going, and they're thinking, well, she's going to the grave. We'll, we'll go with her. We're trying to help her, right? We're trying to comfort her. We're trying to be here for her. So they follow Mary, and they get brought right into the presence of Jesus. And Mary goes to Jesus and falls down at his feet. And in a, basically an act of reference, she does the same thing and makes a statement. And there again, we have to read into it and somehow try to figure out maybe what the inflection, what the attitude was when she said it. She said, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe it was a statement of reverence, recognizing how powerful he was and what he could have done if he had been there. We don't know for sure, or I don't. Then when Mary, and then it says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, he groaned in his spirit and said, where have they laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Again, we are told how much Jesus loved Lazarus. And Jesus did not come and heal him. And he suffered and died. But we're again, it reiterates, Jesus loved him. And some of them... The Jews said, Could this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? See, there are believer, there are people that may not be believers, but yet they are friends of believers. They're your friends. They're my friends. They may come to church. They may hang out with us. But that does, and they may have a great deal of knowledge about the Bible and spiritual things. But does that make them in Christ? Is that what it takes just to hang out with Christians, go to church, know a little bit about what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he does? Is that it? Is that what it takes to really be a follower of Christ? Let's read on. 
Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, so she's there too at the grave, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. So we are again told, this is not a normal thing here. This is a dead body, been dead for four days, decomposing. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou believest, thou shouldest see the glory of God. So Jesus is saying, believe, trust, believe on me, and you're going to see something that you are not expecting. You're wanting to see your, your brother healed. That didn't happen. But now you're going to see the glory of God. Then took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always. Thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said that they may believe. Talking about the Jews. That thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now, I don't think many of us have tried to talk to dead people, and if we did, it didn't do any good because they can't hear you. But something happened here that was different. He wasn't dead because Jesus brought him to life. You see, Jesus walked into the midst of this hopeless situation where there was no hope. He had been dead four days, and the body was decomposing. There was no hope. Jesus walks into a hopeless situation and makes everything better. He performs a miracle and brings Lazarus back to life. Now, that's something that they hadn't seen before they weren't expecting and Mary and Martha in their grief could never have anticipated and you know sometimes we do, when we do not get our prayers answered and we can tend to get discouraged and maybe start doubting does Jesus really love me we need to remember the story of Lazarus because what Jesus was doing here was he was setting all this up although no they didn't understand at the time he was setting all this up so that he could get more glory and that others could see his glory and because of the way he delivered. So, yes, back then, in the beginning, when Lazarus was sick, Jesus loved them. And even when he didn't come and even when he didn't heal, they could still trust him because he loved them. But his healing at that moment was not the greatest thing that he could have done. He had something even greater that he was doing. The healing at that moment, the physical healing, was not the most important thing. Bringing glory to his name in a way that glorified him and brought others to him was even better. Jesus had a far greater plan 
And he does for us many times. So we need to be reminded that when those prayers aren't being answered and when it looks hopeless, it's never hopeless when we have a loving Father. And when Jesus works in our lives to use us to bring glory to his name, it's different. So we need not to get discouraged because Jesus is the master of hopeless situations. And he made all things new. And you know, in this, it would be interesting to think, okay, the story's over, right? He raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, what? I mean, can you imagine if you were Lazarus? What would you tell your buddies? Hey, guess what happened to me the other day? I died. Have you ever died? I died. You know, that would be a real conversation starter, wouldn't it? Uh, Notice verse 45. Many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Wow. Would that have happened if he had healed Lazarus back when the request was sent? No. See, Jesus had a bigger plan. He always does. And you know, I think there's, there's several lessons here for us. Obviously, we can see how Jesus works and loves us in, in spite of the circumstances. But we also need to see um, just their relationship. Mary and Martha had a relationship with their friends. And because their friends cared, because they were close, because there was a friendship, and they were around Mary and Martha, they got to see Jesus work. So I think we need to think about, do my friends, do our friends see Jesus in us? Do they see something they can't explain? Do they see God working in our lives? And do they, can they come to belief and faith in Christ? Because what they see in us. And our witness to them. You see. Mary and Martha. Were just living life. They were going through this grieving process. And and their friends were a part of that. And because their friends were a part of that. They got to see Jesus work. And not only did they see Jesus work. They realized they had a decision point. And that's the decision point everyone has. So those Jews, those neighbors, those friends, at this point, it said many believed. And then verse 46 said, some of them didn't. And they went back to the Pharisees. And of course, the Pharisees were trying to kill Jesus. So have to recognize that not everybody comes to Jesus, but in our lives, many people will if they can see Jesus working in us. So those Jews, those friends had a decision to make. As in everyone in this life has a decision to make. Are you going to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as the one that came to give his life for us, to be the resurrection and the life, and to devote our lives to him? Or are we going, or is, are we going to make the other choice and say, I reject it. 
I'm going to walk away. I'm not having anything to do with this, Jesus. I don't care about any of this. That is the decision that we're all faced with. And we have a responsibility. Those of us who have taken that path, who have made that step, have placed our faith and trust in Christ, have come to him, that we have a responsibility and an opportunity to lead others to him. They, Mary and Martha wasn't on a visitation program. They didn't make a purposeful effort to go invite their neighbors to come. It was a part of just their relationships, of their life, of who they knew and who was around to help them and to grieve with them. They just got in his presence. They got in, in the presence of Mary and Martha. And because of their relationship, they, they were brought right into the presence of Jesus. And they saw him and his power. And that's what needs to happen in our lives. Now, the interesting thing is that shortly after this, Jesus leaves. And first of all, because those Pharisees and chief priests were, were chastening him, he leaves, goes to Ephraim. And then a short time after that, he comes back to Bethany. And the interesting thing is, they have a meal together. Now, can you imagine this meal? Um, this is chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Jesus comes back. He's going to Bethany. And right after this, he's leaving for the week of the Passover. So it's near his crucifixion. And he's sitting and he's eating with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And can you imagine that conversation? Jesus and Lazarus talk about, hey, man, what, what, can you imagine what they were saying? I can't. That, that would just be far beyond anything. But I'm sure Jesus was reaffirming his love to them. But the thing that I want to see and the thing that I want to wrap up with is this. We've talked in this series about uh, this is us. This is our values. And one of the things we've talked about recently so much is that we all have a role to play. That each of us has a part in the body. And that we have talent and gifts and we're to minister to each other. If you notice in this story, chapter 12, verse 1, when they get back together, we are told three things about three people. It said, Martha served. Lazarus fellowshiped, and Mary worshipped. They were all three different. They served a different role. And Jesus never said, oh, I like this, I don't like that, you should be like one. No, he, they were different, and he accepted each of them. And they each were different, had different personalities, had different skills, and Jesus was comfortable with all of them. They all had a part to play. And we all have a part to play in this body and in reaching others for Christ. So, as we leave here today, I would like for us um, just to think through where we're at in our spiritual journey. Is this something that speaks to us? Have we been doubting His love because of our prayer life? of not being answered, 
or not being answered the way we want. Have we been questioning that? I hope today this story reaffirms to you that the Savior loves you and has your good in mind. But he also has his glory in mind. And he wants us to give our lives to him. You know, the chief priest, the thing about them is, you know, the chief priest was trying to kill Jesus. And there was one thing that they said in the end. The chief priest said this in verse 48. If we let him alone, speaking of Jesus, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. You see, the people that were fighting against Jesus, that were, not, that were having nothing to do with him, was saying, if, if he's raising people from the dead, if people are believing on him, we're going to lose our job. They were trying to save themselves, their position, their power, and their nation. And Jesus, you can't, ha- you can't do both. Jesus says, when he would come and ask someone to follow him, they would just leave everything and go follow him. That's what Jesus wants from us, our life. He wants us to give him our all. And those chief priests and the Pharisees, they were all trying to preserve what they felt like was their life. So what we are asked to do is to give up, to surrender, to make a sacrifice, to commit our life to him and for what he's done for us. And I hope today, if, if, if you're here and you're not at that place where you've uh, asked Jesus to come to your life, where you have been hanging around you're friends with a lot of Christians. You come to church. You're here. Or maybe you're watching online. And you kind of identify with the Jews. You know, it's, it's a good place. You enjoy it. You get to see some of You know about Jesus. You get to see some of what he does. But there's that fork in the road. Have you made that decision? Are you going to trust Jesus that he's the resurrection and the life? And give your life to him. Or are you going to go the way of the Pharisees and reject him? That's your choice. And to one, he promises life, eternal life. And to the other, eternal death. So if you haven't made that choice, if you're kind of on the fringes, thinking, I know about Jesus, I'm kind of comfortable, but have you given your life to him? That's the decision you have today. Let's pray. Bow your heads.